unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Zechariah chapter 10, verses 1. 1 to 3, let's read. Ask ye of the Lord reign in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. Every one grass in the field. Hallelujah. The Bible says we pray and receive not. And it says we receive not because we pray amiss. And the next line says that we might consume it on our own lusts. Many times, many Christians are selfish in prayer. Many, many are selfish in prayer. You ask a guy, what do you want? He says, I want a car. Okay, what do you want? I want a husband. What do you want? I want a job. What do you want? I'm building a company. Pray for me, my wife. Oh, my child, my firstborn is a problem. And all of that, it's okay. Praise God. You ask for healing. It's okay. It's okay. Because healing is the children's bread. You understand? Like they're expected for children to heal, God has to heal. Like children are expected to eat food. You understand what I mean? Well, many things happen around us, but we don't take them, you know. Not that they're not big. They are big, but they're also expected. You understand? It's like when you prophesy, it's because you're a prophet. You understand? You're supposed to. (laughs) You understand? When you teach well, it's because you're a teacher. When you're successful business, it's because you are anointed. Praise God. So it's expected. So we celebrate in the expectation that we are. Not in the surprise that, oh my God, you see? So it doesn't mean that we don't celebrate God's power. We do a lot. But we have the understanding that it is given. Praise the Lord. So many Christians, you ask them, what do you want? He says, ah, I want this. What do you want? And say, I want that. Everyone has their own request. Personal requests are okay. You understand? It's not wrong to ask God for a wonderful mobile phone. You understand why? Because the Bible says wisdom is the mother of all witty inventions. So there is no invention in this world that is not after wisdom. And if you're a child of God begotten of wisdom, we expect you to have the best in the world. Are you hearing me? But even if you don't pray for those things, there's a place in God where you don't need to ask for such things. Why? Because there's a persuasion that comes when God starts to deal with you. And that persuasion carries the testimony that we are persuaded of better things which accompany salvation. There are things I am sure have to happen to me. When they happen, I say, ah, okay, it's because I'm saved. It's not that I don't celebrate them, but I celebrate the fact that I have the life which is of God. Hebrews 6, 9. Give me the Amplified. He says, even though we speak this way, yet in your case, beloved, we are now firmly convinced of better things that are near to salvation and accompany it. Hallelujah. There's a conviction in my spirit about how you're supposed to be because you're born again. This is deeper than whether somebody's standing in your way. That's why I tell Christians, regardless of what you go through, never forget who you are in God. Never forget who you are in God. 
you know, you can be pressed on every side. Situations can come and frustrate and depress you and distraught. Whatever this it is. Are you hearing me? You don't forget who you are. Whatever situation you're going through, you're different. You understand? You're different. Many years ago before I bought a car, I was sitting on a border border and this guy riding a bike. You know? And I was sitting behind. And I think he was lost for words to tell me. So he told me, Ah, poverty in Uganda is a serious issue. And while on the board, I said, Hey, 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 hey. He said, What's wrong, boss? What's wrong? And I told him, My brother, when you speak about poverty, speak for yourself. You don't know who you're riding. I'm the son of the Most High God. Don't ever say that again. Then we reached the gate. When we reached the gate, I told him, your wife is barren. He says, ay, 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 how did you know? I told him, no, God just told me. She's going to give birth next year. Can I have your number? No, you don't need it. Just no. <laughs> that was it. That was it. You know, and that's why I want Christians, don't sit in such talk. Oh, poverty. Oh, say, excuse me. Because they're not talking about you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you realize that when the Bible says as a man thinketh. Now, I want you to understand this. That scripture proves creative force, not state of status. Many of you understand that scripture as status. It's not status. It's creative force. Listen, as he thinketh in his heart, present continuous. So is he. You see that? No, remember he say he becomes what he saw. No, no, no. As he thinks. The moment the man starts to think, as in the process of thinking, he's becoming it. I don't know if you understand. It's not tomorrow. No, it's not yesterday. It's present tense. When you think broke now, you're broke now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. That is why when Peter is talking about truth, he says, I'll bring this to remembrance, though you know and have been established in the present truth. There's something about you understanding in the present experiences of life. In the present experiences of life. In the present experiences of life. That's why faith is now. Now faith. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. Your faith is a total sum of what you're thinking that immediate moment. Even if you believed well a few minutes ago and then it died the next minute, you don't have faith. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to tell you. You see, I've seen Christians who have believed for 20 years and on the 21st year they die. Why? Because they forgot that faith is not a total sum of believing for 20 years. It's the present experience. What I am now is what I believe now. That means you can become a success in seconds. In seconds. And you can lose everything you have in seconds. That is why God has not called us to play with our mind. He has called us to set it. Setting. That's why his Bible says he's held at peace. Whose mind is set. You know, you just set it. You, you screw it on a certain wall and tell it, stay here, never move. You understand? So he says, thou will keep it in perfect peace. Whose mind is state? Some versions use the word set. You enter the setting of your mind and set it. It's like healing. Don't ever feel temperature in your body and change your settings. It's okay, you can wake up without money in the pocket. Don't change the settings. Are you hearing me? 
stay on the settings. Because the moment you stay in a certain zone, there are certain things that can never happen to you. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter how. Hallelujah. Somebody say, my mind is set. On the word of Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, Zechariah asks something very important here. Now, this is not for somebody who came for a job. For a man. For marriage. It's not for somebody who came for that. This prayer, listen, he could have said, ask for what you want. In this dispensation, he's talking about rain. And I'm going to explain it. He says, ask ye the Lord of rain in the time of the latter rain, so that the clouds shall make bright clouds, and then showers of rain to every one grass in the field. Every one grass in the field. Now, firstly, how many of you know that the scriptures biblically teach that people are grass? You understand? They are grass. Isaiah says it. Even Peter. Okay, let's read it. The grass withereth, the flower feathers, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Somebody say, surely the people is grass. Now, let's go back to the scripture. Listen. Understand it in that perspective. Ask ye of the Lord rain, listen, in the time of the latter rain, so that the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain, them. Now, he distanced you from them. You understand? Because you've ceased to be natural men only. You understand? He says, I may give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. To everyone grass in the field. Every. Every. That is why this ministry can't be small. Because what we have is not for two individuals. It's for every grass in the field. It goes beyond individual ability. It goes to the sufficiency of God to carry the affirmation in your soul that what I carry, I can ask God to do something for the field. The challenge is many people don't see the fields white. They see them as they're needing to work on. Listen, they're ripe and white. He says, behold, lift up your eyes. You see, you're seeing from a certain angle. That's why you're seeing that they're hard. You understand? That's why you're seeing ministries hard. That's why you're seeing that your job is hard. That's why you're seeing that everything around you is hard. But when you lift up your eyes, it says, look on the field. Not through, not under. Look on the field. He says, for they are white and ready to harvest. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Zechariah. I need to show you something. Verse 2. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie, and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore they went their way as a flock and they were troubled because there was no shepherd. Next verse. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds and I punished the goats. Praise the Lord Jesus. As in my personal place with God, for example, for me, when I'm dealing with the word, if I don't get into the experience of the word, I cannot understand it. Because that's what the Bible teaches. There's a knowledge with experience. There's a knowledge without experience. You understand? That is why he says that you might be filled. And that kind of feeling, he intends that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love. You understand? The word of God is not supposed to be something you read like newspapers. Oh, I'm reading. Okay, who died last week? Okay, so and so. Ah, Okay, informed. No. The word of God is supposed to be a place where you're carried by experience. It's not imaginative composition. It is the spirit of meditation. Are you hearing me? 
Let me tell you what happens when a man starts to meditate. Meditation is not the art of just sitting there and then you think about God or a scripture. You understand? Because they are the meditations of your heart. They are not the meditations of your mind. You remember the prayer? The meditations of my heart to be pleasing? You understand? You remember Peter, the apostle? When he was dealing with the four-sided sheet that fell from heaven with all kinds of four-legged animals. You remember that? Now, the scriptures say, and as Peter pondered, the Bible says, as Peter pondered on the vision, the Bible says, the spirit spake. Now, when you read the word there for pondering, it's more of the place of meditation. When he pondered, the spirit spake. So the place of meditation is not thinking in your mind a picture of what you conclude about the scripture. No, the place of meditation is yielding enough to the spirit to give you a clear picture of what he means. I don't know that you see the difference. There's a difference between somebody saying, uh, let me think about this scripture. God so loved the world. And then you think, oh, yeah, now let me imagine his love. You understand? But then the way you're thinking love is like for your grandmother who died last week. You understand? Or last year. Sorry, my condolences. But you understand what I mean? But you see, God doesn't want you to get human experiences and put them in your mind by effort. To imagine who he is. Otherwise, by the end of every year, you realize God will appear to be more humanly carnal than divinely revelational. God wants to shift you from a place of just imagining what he is to a place of yielding enough for him to reveal who he is. That is why the critical place of meditation is God starts to speak. And when he starts to speak, things start to enter your spirit. And when they start to enter your spirit, you know what the Bible says? That out of the abundance of the heart, so the mouth what? Speaketh. But did you know that the other definition of meditation actually carries the word to yield enough to hear, enough to matter. M-U-T-T-E-R. Muttering means speaking forth. The place where a man yields enough to the spirit, to a place where it fills his soul, and the next thing you know, it just starts to come out of you. I can't be poor. You're not speaking it to be it. You're speaking it because it has filled you. You know, all of us confess. But the difference between many guys who confess and get results and those who confess and get nothing is because some people confess out of duty and function. Others, like me, confess out of the revelation that has been given out of abundance. It fills your soul. And the next thing you say, ah, yeah, yeah, I can't be this. Why? Because it has been prompted. It's not even something you plan to. That is why many of you, when you read the word, you find yourself saying things. You don't plan. But you just find yourself saying, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, labakaya. I can't be poor. Ah, yeah, yeah. You understand? I can't be sick. Why do you think those things? Because you are in the true state of meditation. Somebody say amen. So, I was in that state. And the Lord carried me. You know, every time I read this word, the latter rain. I understood it and I understand it. By the essence of this rain of the spirit. But I could not connect why many men seem filled by the Holy Spirit. But indifferent to the person of the spirit. Somebody speaks in tongues and you're like, wow. And then at a few days they do something and you're like, You understand what I'm saying? Like something that is out of the heart of God. Their heart. You understand? Because you see, God's most important issue relating with you is for you to be on the same wavelength with his heart. You see? That is why in Acts he says that they might seek him if haply they might 
feel after him and then find him. God doesn't want to be phoned by people who don't feel. Some people skip the feeling and think they're going to seek enough to find. But once you seek enough to find what you don't feel after, you'll abuse it. It's called dissipating the spirit, the anointing. You understand? So there's a way he's hid from men who don't feel after. That is why many people say, but this guy prays a lot. How come he doesn't see God? It is because God wants to be felt after. The things that hurt God have to hurt you. The things that concern God, they have to concern you. That's the bigger picture. Everything that is after the heart of God, it has to disturb. When God is disturbed, you can't be at peace. You understand? But a man can eat, drink, and be merry. Works fat, the Bible says, and forsake the rock of his salvation. Because of blessing. Blessing. Some of you are easy to satisfy. Very easy. Just get $50,000. You will never come back to church. <laughs> you will never. It will be trouble. So why aren't you praying? Ah, you know, man of God. Ah, you know, I'm busy lately. Some of you, it's very easy to satisfy you. Very easy to satisfy you. Are you hearing me? And that is why I believe, and I always tell fellow Christians, ask God to push you to a place where he will kill you to the world. That's why when Paul says, for I'm dead to the world and the world is indeed dead to me. It kills every aspiration, every aspiration in the world. A great writer I love reading, C.S. Lewis. He said one time, and I'll never forget that. He said, God has created an equal measure of satisfaction for every human desire in the world. If you say you're hungry, there's food. There is always an equal satisfaction. There is nothing that you desire in the world that cannot be satisfied. God has put that experience. The only challenge is that at the end of it is what the man by experience calls vanity. He says, I bought all kinds of fields. I drank wine and made merry. I did everything. But all in all, the Bible says it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. In other words, even though it satisfies desire, the end of it, when desire is satisfied, there's a void that is left. Not for that immediate desire, necessarily, but for something more. And that's why the man says, C.S. Lewis, he says that if you sometimes feel like the desires you have in your soul cannot be satisfied by the things in the world, it can only mean you are made for another world. That's the beginning of salvation. Salvation begins when you realize that there are things in the world that can't satisfy us. They can't. You'll drive everything and then still be empty. You'll build everything and then still be empty. I don't need to walk the way of Solomon to know that. No. I'm a new creation in Christ. I know that all of this is vexation. When you read ancient history, some of the greatest cities are buried now. They are buried now. Somebody can say, wow, New York, Manhattan, big buildings. One day it will be buried to the floor. Why? Because it's prophecy. The first shall be last. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not hating. It's the truth. And then other developments will come. We are still survival on the earth and we are building the best buildings on the earth. One day men are going to build cities in the air. You understand? And it will be a lower life for you to live on the earth. You know, like guys, you say, man, I got on a plane and I went to Australia. You know, Paul be testifying. I visited my auntie up in space. I believe those days are coming. I believe they're coming. I believe they're coming. You see? So, what makes God who he is, is that he can override anything big. And put something that when you compare it with what you call big, it's nothing. It's nothing. William Seymour, the guy of the Azusa Street, 
which is probably one of the biggest movements of all time, the charismatic movement, do you realize that it goes down in history? Then it was a surprise that William Seymour in the first year had raised the church of 1,300 people. 1,300. It was a miracle to have a church at Bonabray Street of 1,300 in 1905 or 1907. We doubled that. You see? So, William cannot be jealous. No. Because even me, I know there are some people coming after us. That's why treat your children well. You see, the Bible says when Moses' parents, when they saw that he was a goodly child, they hid him. Some of you don't see your children as good. You see them as normal. No. When I look at my children, I have to be scared. You understand? You must set your mind. Say that you don't get lame babies. No, it's not your portion. It's not. It's not. Somebody say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. If barrenness was planning on you, it looks for another person. <laughs> because it says no, different settings. Configured to original factories. <laughs> uh, with password. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's true. Some people used to say, in this world you can't avoid attacks. Yes, it's true, you can't avoid them. But you can be above them. The scripture teaches, there is a way which no foul knoweth. It's in God. There's a place which no demon knows. There's a place, even when they come on the earth to look for you, they can't find you. Even if you're on a center stage, they can be blinded. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is why the essence of repentance is not just God, I'm sorry. You see, when Paul was speaking in Acts, he says, for I've been sent to preach repentance unto God. In Acts, every day, our mind is blown to say, God, I'm sorry. I thought you different. Unto God. Unto God. There's a place where you have repentance. Because metanoia, the change of mindset, your mind is changed every time you see God in a certain way. You're supposed to be surprised every day about who God is. You're not supposed to have a constant thought about God. No, your thoughts are supposed to be changing every day. You're supposed to be shocked. At least force yourself to be shocked. Paul was in the middle of explaining the paradox of how God engrafts us and then gets wild olives and plucks them out to make them envious. It hit his head so bad in the middle of the sermon. He says, all the depths of the riches of the glory. He was too heat. You know, he says, for God has concluded them all under unbelief that he might have mercy upon all of them. And what happens? Paul was hit. Boom. He says, oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable. You understand? It was out of an experience of a man who was receiving from God and it blew him. Worship is supposed to begin from there. That he filled you so much. And then out of you, a song starts to come out. Of his fullness, we receive. Of his fullness, we receive. He fills you with something. And then what happens? You go from grace to grace. Faith to faith. You understand? So we're supposed to be doing that. Some fills your spirit. And then you open your mouth. And then you open your soul. And then it starts to create results. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. So the life of salvation is supposed to be that. Experiences upon experiences in the world. Now, I was studying that word, the rains and what and what and what. And God just took me to a place where he told me, observe the order of things. The word is spirit and it is life. The word is spirit 
and it is life. He says, for the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. You see that order? The words. The words come out, they become spirit and they are life. And so, I was taken to a place where my meditation of the thing called rain, even though to me was the total sum of the spirit, God told me that the foundation of this total sum you call the spirit is supposed to be the entity, the word. When God is releasing from heaven, he just doesn't release his spirit. He releases a word that becomes spirit and life. God just doesn't say, I release my spirit. So, without the word. No, no. That kind of salvation is wrong. God releases the word. You understand? He sends his word. You understand? And when he sends his word, that word takes on the form of spirit and life. But it is sent as a word. That is why to a man which is learned like Abraham. The Bible says and the scriptures foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles through faith. He went afore and preached this gospel to Abraham saying in thee shall all nations be blessed. When that statement was made it was translated through the spirit. By the time it hit Abraham's soul. You understand? It was a message. You understand? So when he starts the experience of understanding the word given. He starts now to walk in the spirit. The spirit agrees with the word. You understand? Even in the order of things, he sent the word, Christ, to dwell among us. And we beheld his only glory, full of grace and truth. And then after that, the spirit came. You see the order? The spirit. You see what I mean? He wants to first send the word. That is why the highest degree of how spirit a man is, is to the highest degree of how much the man knows. Don't confuse this. The devil can fake healing, prophecy. He can fake deliverance, but he can't fake depth. (laughs) He can't fake depth. Because God is the word. He can't. Unless you're not born again, you'd sense it and say no. There's something wrong here. Why? Because you're begotten of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. It lives and abides forever. That word which begets you is what now brings spirit and life. You see that reconciliation? Now, that enforcing of God now releasing rain, okay, on the earth. He releases the word with the spirit. Inside, the spirit is inside the word. The spirit was inside Christ. Christ was not inside the spirit. No, when Christ came on the earth, he carried the spirit of God in him. Are you hearing me? Now, that Christ, that Jesus I'm talking about... He cannot deal with you in a place where you seem to have too much depth in spiritual things but indifferent to knowledge. Go back to Peter. I'll qualify that. For all flesh, let's read, is as grass. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. When the spirit comes, he says, the grass withereth. The flower thereof falleth away. But the word of God. You see? The word of God. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached. That means that salvation is when a man is blown away and the word comes. That's salvation. Salvation is when a man is blown and withereth. You cease to be. You're alive but yet you're dead. Yet not you. Yet Christ. And the life that you now live is by the faith of. Not in. Of. I love the KJV. By the faith of. That means Christ is in you believing. Ah, yeah, man, de Are you seeing what I'm saying? 
So, when the Bible says that in the last days, knowledge shall be increased, there is a force, an eternal force, forcing the word on the earth. Because he knows that that word will translate to spirit and life. I don't know that you understand what I mean. There is an eternal force of increasing knowledge. He says, it shall be. See, it comes in form of what you're calling latter rain. But that rain is supposed to hit a man's spirit. And that man's spirit is supposed to have a revelation of Jesus. Not just a shaking and that's it. No, you don't shake only. No, you get a revelation of who Christ is. My challenge is that people who pray, shake, vibrate, but not that it's wrong. No, we demonstrate power. But you see, my point is, it's deeper than that. What are you receiving when you get up? What are you receiving? You must come out with a certain understanding of God. That when you speak, you see, men can walk with Christ. And then they say, and then they knew that they were with Christ. And Christians claim that scripture. That's not for Christians. With Christians, he entered you. With the other ones, he was with them on the road walking. Now, if they can sense a man who walked with Christ, how much more a man in whom Christ walked? Oh, hey! I don't really understand. If they could sense a man with whom Christ walked. I mean, he can be with Jesus and his life changes. I mean, Saul sat with the prophets and he prophesied. He wasn't a prophet. The anointing can shut off and make a man do something, even if he's not born again, if he's in the counsel of a man who is anointed. But that doesn't qualify him. You understand? But there is a point where Christ now comes inside you. That when I say God walks with me, I don't mean he walks with me hand in hand. No. I mean he walks in me. There's a difference. And he is the word. You understand? So the equivalence of that is, I walk with the word in the inside of me. When I speak, I'm not supposed to construct. God has not called us to connect scriptures. He has called us to accurately divide. Because if we don't, the Bible says we are ashamed. He says, study the word of God to be approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You enter Malachi. And when you're in Malachi, you stumble on John. And while you're in John, you stumble on Matthew. And while you're in Matthew, you cut it deeper. So by the time you're out, it has been an experience of entering one life after another, after another, after another. And as you continue to transition in that life, you realize it's easy to understand God in dimensions. Many Christians don't even have a clue of what I'm talking about. They don't have a clue. You understand? They don't have a clue. And that is why many people are stuck in forms. They don't use anointing oil, God doesn't move. They don't lay hands with their physical hands, God doesn't move. Not that the anointing oil is wrong, or that the physical hands is wrong, or that washing of feet is wrong, but don't stay there. Be prompted by the Holy Spirit. You understand? I can send an anointing from here without doing anything right now. You see? Because I don't need to condition myself to say, now let me first prepare. No, no, no. I've understood that when you're a human spirit, you're not limited by space and time. Spirits are not limited by space and time. Spirits are not limited by space and time. They're not. Paul is with guys in Colossae. He's saying, I'm with you. Beholding your order. Yet he's in prison. He's not limited by space and time. He's judging men in the flesh while he's with them in the spirit. He's not limited by time. A man was shocked that Jesus saw him under a tree one time. You remember? Jesus told the guy, that is small. You're shocked that I saw you under a tree. The other day, the Lord was speaking to me about this whole prayer Christ made. And I went on my knees. I said, God. You see, knowledge is two kinds. Knowledge either is given or it is taught. Are you hearing me? 
Knowledge is either given or it is taught. I can teach you to ride a bicycle. You understand? But I don't teach you to sneeze. You see? You know how to sneeze. It's a reflex. You understand? I can't teach you to cry. Now, this is how you cry. You fall. No, 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 no. (laughs) You see, look at chicken. They don't go to chicken school to learn that this is how you hatch an egg. No. When they reach eggs, they know. They know. When you take away one, it knows. They don't teach that. They don't teach that. But a kid can walk because he saw everyone walking. That's teaching. So there are things in God he can teach us. And there are things that are just given. Mysteries are given. Mysteries are given. If I'm teaching a mystery, I'm only expecting you to understand that I'm explaining what is already given to you. It's not new. They are explained and expounded about. That is why when he spoke in parables, which was mysterious, the Bible says when he was alone with the disciples, he expounded. To explain, but it's already given. He says it is given unto you to know the mysteries. And therein is the judgment of every Christian. You judge a message, you judge a ministry, you judge everything around you against what is given, not what is simply taught. And that is the power of impartation. Because by impartation, I know that I can in a figure, the Bible says, transfer these things to Apollos, that you may learn in you, not to what? To think of men above that which is what? Written. You see, it's simple for a man to transfer in a figure. He can give you something that he can't teach you. It's possible. It's very possible. Are you hearing me? But there's a difference. There are men which can teach but can't give. There are men which can give and teach. But it's impossible to give and not know how to teach. God has not called us to just be in the dimension of teaching. God has called us to be in the dimension of giving. That is why the place of giving knowledge is the place where the grace on your life multiplies in many. Because it's given. You understand? It is given to you to know the mysteries of what? Of heaven. But to them it is not. People of the world, we struggle with them because they don't have the natural instinct in them to function in that life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, even when we're in our knowledge of God, there are things he expects us to know. There are things God will never teach you. They're called unsearchable. They're only receivable. You can't find them in a book. You can't find them anywhere. They're just given. Are you hearing me? And he giveth wisdom to a man who liberally asks. But we don't ask for those things. No. We ask for money. We ask for cars. We ask for promotions. And it's okay to be promoted. But I told people, there's no dream you'll ever have that even equals to the dream God has for you. It's not there. He says, beyond that which you ask or even dare to think. That's what the Bible says. The Amplified says it. Now, to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly. Are you hearing me? Far over, above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes of dreams. Even to your highest degree. God can tell you, okay, now you're finished dreaming. Yes. Now let me start telling you my dream for you. And here is the paradox of the Christian. According to the working power that worketh in us. Do you know the frustrations of a man who has a power inside him that is bigger than his dreams? Do you know the frustration of a man with something inside him bigger than what he has ever thought? When he sees it, he feels it's deeper than human thought. Do you know what it means to have that in your soul? 
That is why hunger begins its definition from there. Hunger does not begin when you want God to touch you. Hunger begins when you start to feel something you can't pray for. Something you can't imagine. Something you can't dream. Something that is beyond your highest prayers. But it is inside your spirit. And then you find yourself saying, Rabakaya. Says for sometimes we know not how to pray like we ought. There are times where no words can explain what you and I are feeling. And he says, but the spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's interesting to hear a groaning that is not uttered. Oh, God is big. God is big. God is big. That's why you should never limit God with your small dream. However big it is, it is small. Hallelujah. 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 Now, that word that abideth in our spirits, that word that stays in my soul, you and I, to eat every day. He says, I intend that you ask for rain. And when he says, knowledge shall be increased. Are you hearing me? He should have said, in the last days, knowledge shall be taught. You get the difference? (laughs) Knowledge shall be taught. No, he says, knowledge shall be increased. It's more of an action of giving you than teaching you. That men now wake up with things. They don't know how they got them. But these things are out of their soul. They preach something and say, ah, where did this come from? They worship something and say, ah, where did this come from? They preach something. They share something. They meditate something and say, ah. Why? Because it shall be increased. So it's as though the heavens open something and men just receive. That's how God teaches by giving let's go back to Zechariah he says for the Lord of hosts has visited his flock the house of Judah and has met them as his godly horse in the battle and what happens next he says out of him came forth the corner out of him the nail out of him the battle bow and out of him every oppressor together and the Bible says and they shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle and they shall what fight because the Lord is with them and the riders of horses shall be what confounded next line and I will strengthen the house of Judah I will save the house of Joseph I'll bring them again to bless them for I have mercy upon them and they shall be as though I had not cast them off for I am the Lord their God and I will hear them somebody say amen listen and they of Ephraim the Bible says shall be like a mighty man and their heart shall rejoice as through wine. They'll be as if they're drunk, but they're filled by the Holy Ghost. And their children, holy, spiritual or physical, shall see it. As in, your children will look at you and say, there's something on this man. Give me the amplified of that. Then Ephraim and the ten tribes shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall rejoice as through wine. Yes, their children shall see it and rejoice. Their hearts shall feel great delight and glory triumphantly in the Lord. We won't tell our children, no God. No, they'll just see something about us. And they'll just start to praise the God of their fathers. Somebody say, it's mine. Say, it's mine. That knowledge is come. That knowledge is come. Let's continue the next verse. Give me the KJV though. I love that. He says, I will hiss for them. 
and gather them. For I have redeemed them and they shall increase as they have increased. As in, you'll be going a certain direction and God will say, I want to show you an idea that no businessman knows. I want to show you a revelation that no teacher knows. God his God his I've seen a church that is ahead of everything agriculture we are the best we're not just agriculturalists doctors we are top of class while men are looking for cures of cancer God comes to you and tells you the mere thought of that means there's stuff he wants you to have that he doesn't want men in the world to have. He loves them, but it's for you. No hard feelings. We're moving into a dispensation where Christians are going to have the greatest ideas on the earth. Greatest. We're the best in science. We're the best in chemistry. We're the best in nuclear physics. We're the best in engineering. We are the best. If you want business, you come talk to us. If you don't talk to us, you don't do business. We shall be the heads and not the tail. We shall be above and not beneath. We shall go upward and upward only. I believe it. I believe it. Stop looking at yourselves small. Somebody came to me and told me, Apostle, I got a big job in a good company. I told him, good. Work there long enough and make your own. Make your own. The job is good, yes, but make your own. Hire men. It's better. It's better. Why? Because he's ready to his. Listen. I've seen that God is starting to whisper to men. This is it. This is it. Knowledge given. Knowledge taught. And that is why when I was meditating on the issue of the cross, the Spirit of the Lord told me when he said, Lord, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He wasn't praying for men which persecuted him. Only. He was praying for a nature. He told me that. He says, I wasn't praying for the men which were stoning me. I was praying for a nature. Because he saw the total sum. He can tell them, I'm leaving, and Peter says, I'm going to lose my life. I can't allow you to die. Peter, the devil is speaking on you. God help you. God forgive you. You understand? He's speaking of the Judases, which sell him off. He says, they know not. They know not. He explains to them and says, who do you think you are? And they say, you are the Christ of God. A few scriptures later, they have already forgotten that he's the Christ of God. And they say, hey, surely now we have known that you're the son. Before they didn't even believe what Peter said. So Jesus was repenting for a nature. When he said it is finished, he was speaking for a nature. That nature is done. When he said forgive them for they know not. You see, Jesus' burden to repent for men. He repented for their ignorance. He didn't repent for what they did. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Jesus did not repent for what men did. He repented for their ignorance. He says, forgive them, for they know not 
They know not. Even those who didn't crucify him, there's something about Christ they didn't know. There's something about Christ they didn't know. They could not get it. Why? Because the natural man, the Bible says, cannot receive neither design the things of the spirit for they are spiritually designed. True forgiveness is when God changes a man's nature from carnal to spiritual. That's forgiveness. Because now you see things. You remember Adam and Eve? The serpent comes to them and tells them, God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you shall... And they knew not that he was lying. Because there's a part the natural man can't know. Whether the devil is speaking truth or not. He's void of that grace. So that natural man could be deceived by the devil. He would not know. But when Paul came to the New Testament, he says, Brethren, we are not ignorant. We are not ignorant of his devices. He says, we have an action from on high. He says, we know all things. We know all things. And when we came born again, we didn't come as ignorant men. We came as men with knowledge. He says, in the last days. Knowledge shall be increased. That means he will release mystery, impart it in the spirits of men. And he says that no man shall teach his neighbor. Know the Lord. That part, nobody shall teach it. For all shall know the Lord, from the least to the greatest. You remember in Isaiah 55 verse 10, you remember the scripture? He says, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. You see what the rain does? It gives seed. Luke 8, 11 is, the parable is that the seed is the word. That means that this rain comes to give you the word. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He says, for as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bad, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. You see that? That rain, when it comes on you, the spirit falling on you must give you a certain knowledge. You don't just receive power. You receive power with a certain knowledge. What does the next verse say? So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me. You see, void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper. In, in, in. Is it your power? No. Is it your responsibility to make the word work? No. It's his responsibility to make it prosper. Listen, God has not called you to do the word. He has called the word to do you. Receive it. Just receive the word. And let the word start to work in you. Our responsibility is to yield to that impregnation. For by faith, Sarah, what? Conceived seed, which delivered her a child. You see that? We conceive seed. That's why Jerusalem is the mother. She's a woman. She's not a man. Because Christ is the husband. Do you know seed is spermatos? The Greek word is spermatos, sperm. That's seed. So God intends to impregnate us more than we intend to make babies that are not his. Ministries that are not his. Businesses that are not his. Deals that are not his. Marriages that are not his. Oh. Let's continue. 
So he says, shall the rain. Give me the amplified of that. He says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing. Ah, Do you see? Do you see? All you need to do is sit in the word. It will make you what it says. You just need to sit in it. That's why when a man says, I sit but I don't receive, you're in the wrong place. I'm sorry. You're in the wrong place. You can't hear the word and not change. He says, it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy. You won't wake up in the morning frustrated. No. Every morning you'll be joyous. Every morning you'll have joy. He says, for you shall go out from the spiritual exile caused by sin and evil into the homeland with joy. You come out with joy and be led forth by your leader, the Lord himself and his word with peace, shalom. And the mountains and the hills, those are nations, cities, counties, sub-counties, divisions. He says, shall break forth before you and they will sing your name. Jesus is with him. Jesus is with him. And all the trees of the field. Oh, let's go back to the field. <laughs> the people, they'll be doing what? <laughs> I love the word. And what does the next verse say? The next verse say, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the thorn. Do you remember Jesus shed blood on the cross? Wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities. But many people know the lashes on the back and the face. They don't know the bleeding from the brow. Remember the curse in Genesis? For man shall eat of the sweat of his brow. That means for out of the sweat, you work so hard. And then, you understand? The stones that pierce the brow. You understand? He says, instead of thorns. That means you will not sweat to get you get an idea, you say today, tomorrow morning it's a million dollars. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And instead of the briar shall come upon the middle tree and it shall be to the Lord for a name of renown, for an everlasting sign of jubilant exaltation and memorial to his praise which shall not be cut off. In other words, when you enter that dimension, you don't worry that it will leave you. You settle. It's going to stay. My wealth is forever, whether you bless me or not. My knowledge is forever, whether you tell me more or you don't. It's not pride. It's a promise. It's a promise. One time I was reading about an old man they called John Bunyan. Famous writer. What books did he write? Pilgrim's Progress. You remember that? That man, he was born in Bedford. I think it was north of London. And he was born in a very poor family. He did everything poor people do. From making pots to doing what his father was poor. And then John Bunyan met God. Oh, God met him. And one time I was reading about C.H. Spurgeon. Commenting about the experiences of John Bunyan. A man which was uneducated but spoke like he was educated. Bunyan could get one scripture and write a book. He doesn't need 17 scriptures to write a book on marriage. No. 
How many of you have stumbled on a book called The Acceptable Sacrifice? He got Psalms 51, 17. Simple. The guy wrote a whole book. You look at Bunyan's writings. One scripture. He just opens up the man and he can't stop. See Spurgeon in his own words. They asked him, who is John Bunyan? He said, he was a man whom when you'd cut, he would bleed scripture. Oh! I said, that's what I want to be. I want to get to a point where when a man cuts me, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. And nothing was made, was made without him. For in him was I. When you cut him, he bled scripture. He was still full of God. Yet Bunyan now looks in heaven and says, Aha, from glory to glory. Apostle Grace, you're supposed to know more. Tell your neighbor, this is a generation that know their God. And they that know their God shall what? Do mighty exploits in the name of Jesus. I feel the anointing. I feel the anointing. I know when the spirit is changing atmosphere. I feel there is an impartation. It's rain. Holy Spirit. Hey, Allah. Come on, somebody speaking tongues. Come on, speak in other tongues. Receive it. Every crown I ever want, I lay it down. Every praise I ever made, I give it all to. There is nothing in this world that can compare you alone.
in the earth. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's starting to move now. 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 Wherever you are, he's separating you now. Hey! Power the Holy Ghost. Power the Holy Ghost. Power the Holy Ghost. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. I feel God is putting something. Hey! Are you ready? commissioning for the world now this moment the Holy Spirit is getting to where you are and is separating you right now by his power receive it
supernatural men separating you from people who thought they know you. Something is changing about you. Something is changing about you. nations calling creation is crowning for the manifestation Russia is calling you like Paul received the Macedonian call the islands are calling you something in knowledge I want to pray for somebody in knowledge so don't answer in ignorance if you know lately you're feeling like you're not in the world put your hand on your stomach now feeling like lately you're not in the world. You're somewhere far. I'm going to pray for you now. Rosala Bakaya. Prokotile Mayama. Zile Bokoyile Bara. Sile Prokotala. Oyele Bakaya. I'm trying to interpret it. Kosatelepo. Prokoyele Mante. You're feeling like there is more. You're feeling like you're not of this world. People think you're crazy. But you feel there is more. Power of the Holy Ghost. When it comes out, you're going to bring another world in this present world. I see an anointing for such men to create. I see creative miracles, creative power. Things are coming out of you that we have never seen. The world has never heard. When his power 
deny you the right and grace to accept the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're ready to take him tonight, say Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart that you're the Savior of the world. That you died and rose again. And today, I receive you as my personal Lord. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. <laughs>